0: Offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world, Sabbath School U.
1: Welcome to Sabbath School University. My name is Bethany Anderson. We spent all of last quarter discussing the law of God, but that wasn't enough. So let's spend another lesson going over this topic. (laughs) My guests today, if you would introduce yourselves and just tell us something about yourselves.
2: My name is Abby McPherson, and I love chocolate.
0: My name is Elroy Baim and I love chess.
3: My (laughs) name is Michael Martell, and I'm on my way to becoming daddy for a second time.
1: All right. (laughs) All right. Congratulations. Thank you. So. Like I said before, we spent last quarter going over the law of God, and this lesson is entitled The Law of God. If Abby would please read the verse and open us up with prayer, we can begin.
2: My pleasure. I'll be reading from John 14, 15 in the New King James Version. It simply says, if you love me, keep my commandments. All right, let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for another opportunity to come together and speak about your word, Father God. We ask that you teach us how to love you more, Father God, but furthermore, teach us how to keep your commandments. Uh, So open up our our hearts and our minds for this lesson and allow your Holy Spirit to reveal different things to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All
1: right. So let's begin. Um, What was Jesus' attitude towards God's law?
3: I feel like um, when Jesus came to earth um, and, and he lived amongst men they were expecting something different than, than they actually received. So on many different levels Jesus brought, brought to his community, to the people he was speaking with uh, a, a new face of what, what, of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And um, I, I think his attitude towards God's law was indignant. It was um, he. He came to to fulfill the law. He came to to help express it in a way that we would understand. Uh, before Jesus, and even some, during the time he was he was here, uh, we were living symbolically through a lot of laws that were to um, kind of help us understand what it would have meant to display an affection or to. Um, to to be more expressive with a particular rule that God had set for us. So I I think God's attitude toward, Jesus's attitude towards God's law was to to help express the purpose of it, uh, how to live it out, and and to do it in a way that was more representative of that expression between yourself with God, more of a personal relationship, and a physical display towards others.
2: I think in terms of the law, specifically we're talking about the Ten Commandments. And Jesus clearly states many times that he did not come to discredit the law. He did not come to get rid of it. Um, he, he, you know, he did help do away with some other stuff like you know, sacrifices and lamb and all this other stuff. But he was just like, I just simply come here to show you all that it can be done. Said, and that's it. Like, I, I've come and, you know, I, of course you get your salvation through it and everything, but I am living proof that you all can do this. But it's just like so many people get it all mixed up and say, well, oh, Jesus came and did that for me, so I don't have to do it anymore. So they, they feel like they're not held responsible for the law, the Ten Commandments, that, like they don't have to follow it anymore because somebody already has done it for them. And. In- mm. mm.
0: There's a lot of laws here. I remember they were you know, talking about it in the previous quarter, 613, what are these things, Levitical laws? Levitical mm-hmm. laws. Yeah. So you have the Pharisees and all these people going around in the first century on Jerusalem just trying to make sure they kept all of them. Hmm. And if they broke one, whoo, woo, 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 you know, police yeah. would come and show up and tell you about your life, right? And so Christ comes and says, look, uh, what, in Matthew five seventeen, you know, he says, do not think I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. So he didn't come to really do away with the law, but he pretty much came saying, look, this is it, the law was pretty much about me. Everything was um, pointing to me now, live in me and abide in me, and you know, let's completely fulfill the law together.
3: And he, right. and he was clear and expressive to mention not to change it, not mm-hmm. to change any portion of it, to still follow it um, in the way that it was meant to be followed, in the expression of what it portrayed. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but he, he, was gonna, he was gonna put a twist on it that helped us see how that can happen in a day-to-day situation, a little more realistically it
2: also show how valid it is yeah. for the son of god to come down here and follow the laws of his father mm-hmm. it shows you just how important it really is mm-hmm. he didn't come down here and cheat mm-hmm. he didn't come down here and act like it didn't matter to him like so many times you know when we're in our own homes like for instance if you go to visit a friend's house mm-hmm. you might behave yourself there but when you go home you're more laxed and being that these were his father's laws that he gave him he didn't come down here like they didn't matter like he came down here to show like no these laws really do matter and i respect mm-hmm and love my father so much that I'm going to show you all how to do it. So um, he didn't take on any special privileges or try and cut any corners when it came to these laws, specifically the Ten Commandments. He didn't try and cut any corners. He's like, I'm going to follow it from, you know, the beginning of it to the end of it. And just to show you that you, can, you don't have to cut corners either. The Ten Commandments. They're not as difficult as they sound like. It doesn't say, you know, drink with your right hand or eat with your left hand or anything like that. It just gives simple, basic instructions on how to live a more, you know, abundant life, if you will. Mm
1: -hmm. So how can you not fall into the temptation of um, following the laws in a more legalistic way? Like, how do we not be Pharisees of today by following the letter of the law to a degree that makes... I guess, loving God, not appealing.
0: I mean, you don't want to elevate the law above um, the Lord. And, you know, you see this a lot now. You know, there are people that will go around in our, our church, in our faith, saying, don't do this, you can't do this, you shouldn't be doing this, this is how you should be living. And it's all this, not, not that it's mumbo-jumbo, mm-hmm. you know, these are great laws to live by, but they're forgetting to tell me about Christ. You know, and so if you kind of take the Lord out out of the law, then, you know, the person's confused. It's saying, well, am I living this life just to please you or am I living this life to please Christ?
3: And also, uh, I think there's a balance. There's a righteous balance between um, the judicial uh, confrontation of breaking the law. And and I think... um, Each individual has to monitor that within themselves Mm -hmm. and the relationship with Christ but I I, I truly believe that God looks at each one of us where we are in our walk with Christ it doesn't mean that the the detriment of our consequence is based on how much we knew it doesn't mean that you know um, the laws are only going to be regulated by how new you are in your belief but what it what it means is is that you're going if you're taking this journey through christianity with christ uh and and you're moving forward i I believe with a true heart um i think god is going to try to work with you to reveal things to you uh how you can make these these laws applicable to your daily life there's going to be a desire that helps you want to fulfill that and 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 then they don't feel like like rules to be bound and chained by It, it almost seems like they're aspirations for you to want to achieve and, and I think that's what that's kind of what Jesus displayed when he came here on Earth, the way he showed us how that could be done. Um, and so to, to make to make sure you don't fall into that legalistic um, approach, I think sometimes you have to stop and you ask yourself, what's the purpose of this? Uh, what's the purpose of my action? Uh, and then and then how is that going to interact with other people? How is that going to what impact is that going to have on other, other individuals? And so you always want to be mindful of that interaction with someone else and how, how that can impact their view of what the law is.
2: I believe that the law becomes legalistic when you lack love. Mm-hmm. That too many times, mm-hmm. it becomes legalistic because other people are condemning you for what you are or you aren't doing. Mm-hmm. So too many times, um, Tradition gets in the way mm-hmm. and because we have so many traditions on top of the law. It becomes really really Difficult when you have everybody like you don't you're not doing that the way that we've always done it and it's just like um, What are you talking about? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing it right but it's like but you're not doing it the way that we do it either mm-hmm. So when it comes legalistics, it becomes like a ritual it comes like traditions and rituals and then on top of the law that becomes a lot of pressure for people when it becomes something that is so simple like do not commit adultery it's just like oh don't look at nobody or you need to wear this or you need to wear that mm. so it's just like how are you going to you know if, expect me to follow simple commands on top of your traditions and then you're not telling me in love like i don't want to do it i don't want to do any of it it's like why why even bother i might as well just do what i want because the people on the outside or in the world are showing me more love when i do wrong and you all are treating me terrible when I'm trying to do right. Mm-hmm. Mm.
3: It's funny you mention that because in, in uh, Mark chapter 7, uh, verses 9 through 13, um, it starts with 9 and, and then I'll just sum it up and bring it through 13. It says, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition, mm. mm-hmm. making the word of, we're skipping on 13, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many s- such things you do. So it's funny you mention that because a lot of what we live by uh, have been traditional uh, manifestations of the law, and and I think legalism uh, kind of fits in there when you're trying to to fit these traditions of the do's and the don'ts, uh, where and then your absent love, you're you're falling into this traditional pattern where it's not really about the law anymore; it's about trying to live up to this standard mm-hmm. in tradition. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not to say that that's not important. It's to say that's not the focus. Yeah. The focus needs to be on the individual, not the law. So um, uh, I think when you help cultivate the individual, uh, traditions fall into place. The law takes order. Uh, God set it up that way, I believe. Um, I think the laws of God are living uh, concepts. They're manifested through our, our, our actions. Yeah.
1: So living... If it's um, manifested through our actions, then how can we um, connect law to grace? Like, how do we make that connection? I guess because, you know, a lot of times you... You feel as though like you have to live up to this kind of standard and you wonder if you do make a mistake, like will God truly forgive you or like how many strikes does it take before God is like, no, I'm done. Like how, how do you understand how the law is connected to grace?
0: I feel like with the law, you know, it's all, you hear about these rules and these directives that you're trying to keep in order to live this lifestyle or this standard. And so, you know, when you break the law, then, you know, you have uh, a lot of times punishment is enforced or, or, um, or something is enforced uh, that, you know, like I said, often has negative consequences. But grace is, in a sense, it's almost like bending, it's like bending that, uh, that punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I had a teacher when I was back in college and, uh, who would give it exams. And anytime you didn't know a question, she gave you three chances to write grace where you didn't know the answer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I used to say, "Thank God!" You know, and, and she was voted Teacher of the Year several times. <laughs> I mean, Any time you had a question and you did not know the answer, you could have <coughs> grace, mm-hmm. and so it was just so exciting to know that this is just something that um, I don't deserve. A lot of people say, "What unmerited favor?" And it's true, you know, unmerited favor because um, you break the law, which we which we've done by sinning. You know, you mess up, but grace this unmerited favor that's granted to us, and we get the second chance. So
2: um, I like that. When it comes to grace and the law, that grace really kind of gives you boundaries mm-hmm. when it comes to the law. It's just like, if you didn't do these things that I've suggested, could you imagine mm-hmm. what would happen? If you were able to roam free and just kill whoever you wanted to, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, what, if, without grace, what would that afford you? Mm-hmm. And would your life mm-hmm. would, would be at stake. But with grace, grace is just like, let me just keep you you know, here. It's like, it's not a tight box. It gives you the leeway to do the things that you need to do. But grace is just like, just, you know, be careful mm-hmm. within these bounds and you will, you know, you'll be safe.
1: We talked about grace. We talked about the law. But there are some things where God is just like, you know, maybe you shouldn't step that far. And, you know, instead of falling into this temptation, you know, Jesus says, it's better that you cut off your right arm or it's better to pluck out your eye. Mm-hmm. So what do you Think that Jesus means by saying things like that? Like, um, how are we supposed to understand that warning from Jesus about plucking at your eye or cutting off your arm so that you don't fall into sin? Even though we are afforded that grace,
3: I think it's symbolic of getting rid of whatever it is that's causing you to fall. Um, well, it, it, you know, if it's your eye that sins, it's better pluck it out than your entire being perish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know take a look at some of those ideas and those concepts what was it excuse me that caused you to 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 fall you know what what sin did you observe um cutting that out of your life so that you you still have an option uh of salvation um it's like what you said and, and and i'll be paraphrasing but but it's basically the idea that grace exists with boundaries so it's like you know, yes, you did this action, but grace grace can can give you you know grace can wink at that, and, and what it's saying is is just get rid of that from your life, and it doesn't mean that you'll be able to do that the first time around but 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 if you take that conscious effort to move forward in your life, knowing that that if I make efforts towards uh, uh, cutting this action out, cutting this behavior out, and putting my faith in Christ and asking him to guide my life away from these sorts of things. Uh, I'm essentially cutting that out of my life. And that's, that's one of the takes I have on it, um, on, on, on this idea of cutting off the hand to save the body or plucking out the eye, uh, getting rid of that influence, that, that um, desire, or putting yourself in those situations where that could happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for me, I mean, I don't want to be that one-eyed, one-armed brother walking around and saying, all right, I did my job, you know. There's too many sins. <laughs> There's too many sins, right, can with, Like hanging, can we start with a finger? Yeah, you don't take a finger to start, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, no, I can, earlobe. No, but like, yeah. uh, for me, I'm just ultimately thinking for second chances. You know, I think uh, when that statement was made, it was just saying, look, if it's that bad, mm-hmm. you know, go that far mm-hmm. to be able to, to separate yourself from sin, because that's how much, you know, we're loved, mm-hmm. you know, so um, at the end of the day, I hope that's not an option I need to take. Right, you know, right. But at the end of the day, this unmerited favor, as we talk about that, has been, um, been given to us. I think you know, we need to um, walk around thankful, and we, at the same time, we need to know that... I'm losing my train of thought here. Repeat sorry.
1: the question again. I'm sorry. No,
3: repeat the question The question, question again.
1: was, um, how do you understand Jesus' warning when it comes to cutting off a hand or plucking on an eye in terms of like, following the law? And how can you apply that to grace? Um, even though you're afforded grace, like how do you still see the law? And
3: you, you essentially answered that when with your answer about yeah about um, if it's that bad, if it's mm-hmm. something that serious, mm-hmm. moving away from it. That
1: could be anything. It could be the friends that you mm -hmm. choose. It could be the music that you listen to. It could be anything like that that you feel might be leading you astray or might. And it's not like every kind of music or every friend is bad, but you know within yourself whether or not this friendship or whatever you choose is leading you in the direction that you want to go or not. And I think that that personally what God means when he says something like that.
2: Um, I would say that it, it really just shows the severity of how he, he really, really means it. Mm-hmm. And if it... Like
3: it's, it's that real. Yeah, it, uh-huh. it is
2: really that real. And it shows how serious <laughs> he is. That you know, And, and it shows how powerful mm-hmm. that God is as well. That he didn't have to go to those extremes mm-hmm. because he did not sin when he was here. He didn't have to cut off his hand. He didn't have to pluck out his eye. But that's how focused and how connected with his father mm-hmm. that he was. So we're saying, it, you all are clearly not me. You're not. <laughs> you can't handle it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, but... Here is my advice to you. Mm -hmm. If your hand is causing you to sin, cut it off. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. get rid of it. Mm -hmm. You cannot handle this situation without me. So if you cannot focus on me or be in a relationship with me, that you're so in tune that you do the things that I have done already for you, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. if you lose an eye, it's better for you to come to heaven with one eye than for you to go to hell with two.
1: Okay. (laughs) So we are always um, kind of praise people who kind of get into this routine of being so busy that they don't necessarily have time to get into trouble. But how can that become a way of being legalistic? Like how can you become so busy that you end up kind of not even following God's law?
0: I think it depends on what you're being busy with. You know, uh, we all have reasons to say we're busy. Oh, I have you know, too much time uh, dealing with my kids, or too much time at work. And at the end of the day, it can automatically kind of um, deter you away from, you know, whatever, your, whatever mission that Christ has sent you out for. Ultimately, the Great Commission, right? Uh, you know, to go out and preach the gospel, yada, 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 right? But I mean, at the end of the day, I look at it and say um, that we just need to find, we need to find out what we're doing um, with our time and for the right reasons. Like, where's our focus? I think that um, Michael had said before. And what are your
3: motivations? And what are your motivations,
0: mm-hmm. right? And so it's continuing to stay focused on the individual rather than on our own individual motives. A lot of times we think that we're doing the right thing. We're, we, we stay in the church, we spend a lot of hours, you know, in these ministries and what have you, but, but what is the ultimate end? You know, what is the ultimate reason? Why are we doing this?
2: Um, I would have to say this is something that I've uh, struggled with even recently. I'm very, Busy body, <laughs> mm-hmm. sanguine temperament, mm-hmm. just zoom, 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 zoom everywhere. And um, even as I stated earlier that my whole life is service, but it's just like service, not necessarily for what, but making sure that it is in line with what Christ <clears throat> has called me to do. Excuse me. So in terms of that, I heard a sermon recently or uh, the, the preacher stated that, you know, if you spend so much time, you know, like serving but you're not spending any time with God, What are you doing? Mm -hmm. So you might be trying to say you're doing everything for God but spending no time with Him. In turn, He doesn't know you. Mm -hmm. So you're doing all these secret missions For somebody that you say that you're cool with, he's just like, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't ask you to do that. You might be doing good, but you're definitely not asking, you're not doing what I've asked you to do. Mm-hmm. And if you were doing what I asked you to do, you would be in, in conversation with me. You would be in devotion with me. So it's saying even in terms of our busy schedules, we can be as busy as we want to, mm-hmm. but if we're not spending time with Christ, our busyness is in vain.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want to be so busy that you kind of lose focus, but you also don't want to miss out on the opportunities for service for mm-hmm. God because mm-hmm. of the fact that you're following his law. Mm-hmm. But how does, um, well, Jesus has plenty examples in the Bible about you know, service, especially on the Sabbath, but how do his, um, his opportunities for service on the Sabbath, how do they show that he was still following the law?
0: I mean, Christ was holistic, you know. Um, he was all about healing you uh, spiritually, in a sense, first, and then physically. You can see that in a situation um, with Mark 2, with the the man um, that needed healing. And they put him in the bed, you know, and lowered him in the, into the, the church or what have you. And then he healed him first. Uh, spiritually said, your sins are forgiven. And then after that, he healed him physically. So, mm-hmm. um, but on the Sabbath, there was a verse. I'm trying to find I don't remember exactly where it is. But there was a man with a withered hand. Mm-hmm. And I remember... Um, you know, he goes and heals this man with the, with, the with the withered hand. And the Pharisees were upset. You know, how dare he do something like this on the Sabbath? How dare he go and, and make somebody's life better on the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. You know, the Sabbath, once again, they were placing the, the law above the Lord. And so, um, big, big issue there. But Christ was all about this holistic experience. So it was all about healing. Yes, you mm-hmm. rest on the Sabbath, but at the same time, you heal mm-hmm. from whatever you're doing on your previous mm-hmm. six days
3: and and also when we when we look at um the culmination of 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 god's purpose in fulfilling the law uh all of these different things that that have been jotted down for for us to live by and follow uh, it, it boils down to loving your neighbor as yourself okay so th- that that helps us transition from a focus on the written letters of the law to, to helping us manifest that through our lives and, and reaching someone else. And so um, when, we, when we have to, to look at the, the good that, that Jesus had done on the Sabbath, what, you know, when he was here on earth and, and how those healing stories and the Gospels and uh, how they continue the validity of God's law, uh, was he breaking the law? I, I think what, what God was doing was looking for that opportunity to connect, he was looking for that opportunity to minister. Mm-hmm. He was looking for that opportunity to show the love of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, God is love. The law of God is love. So if you are able to, to um, express that law through the living notion uh, of Christ, which is love, um, I think... I think you're already mastering this this walk in Christianity or, or you're on your way towards it we can't we can't be 100 percent perfect mm-hmm. but um, that's what God is expecting that's what Jesus uh, revealed to us when he was here on earth and and I think that um, you know Abby nailed it earlier on in the discussion when she said that you know this all boils down to the presence of love how do you keep from being legalistic you have to have this presence of love when we're talking about the law of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't administer the law of God without love because then there'd be no grace. You see, and so um, it's a large topic. It's very uh, encompassing, but I think think in order to understand the law of God, you first have to understand love, the concept of love.
2: I totally agree with that, Michael. And it comes to... You know, it's not bad to do good on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. If you think about the things that Jesus did on the Sabbath, it was probably for people who really didn't even know him. Mm-hmm. How many people did Jesus heal and it was like, Oh, I'm healed? And they're like, Who did this? And it's like, I don't know. Do you, do you know who healed me? I'm not exactly sure, but it was a it was a it was a gift for people, it was yeah. outreach, it was evangelism. Mm-hmm. You know, it was um, you know, just discipling for other people who are in need. Yeah. And it wasn't like our own people, like, you know, it becomes a situation where if Bethany was hungry on the Sabbath and, you know, we, we believe the same things and she was just too lazy to go to the store on Thursday, uh. you know, that becomes a whole other situation. But if I see Elmore here and, you know, you're a homeless man and you haven't eaten in three days, so I need to go to the store to buy you something to eat because you're hungry, That's a, that's two totally different things on the Sabbath. I might let her, you know. <laughs>
1: Go I might outfit. give her a
2: peppermint or something <laughs> like that. But, you know, I would get you something to eat because it's like, oh, let me wait for Sunset to go get you a burger, and yeah. you're hungry today. You're hungry but right
0: I'm, now. I'm dying now. Like, you're hungry right now.
2: You have to wait, because you need I to, to learn. <laughs> you need to learn, but, you know, yeah. it, it's not it's not bad. You know, if, if somebody You'll has a flat a tire.
3: You'll save her a piece? Save, Thank think you. about it possibly. Would be Nice, that'd
1: be nice. It's like It'll if somebody a has DD. a
2: flat tire, right, and just like, oh, well, I'm um, going to I'm gonna go to church. You stay here till I'm done. And you know, if you're still here when I get or, back, or pray on that. I got yeah. you. Pray on, pray <laughs> right. on that. I'm gonna go tire. pray for you mm-hmm. and your flat tire. But you know, if you're still here after I'm done, you know, I, I got you at 7:30, right. right. 8, 7:30, mm. 7:38. So, 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 you know, so
3: don't get a flat in the summer.
2: Don't no. get a flat okay. in the summer because 9:32 <laughs> yeah. is the time <laughs> that you're gonna get some help from me. So
0: <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I think she said it best. You know, it is lawful to do good on the mm-hmm. Sabbath. So God said it. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, well, you guys, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm still laughing. <laughs> right. But um, just kind of wrapping it up, like what does the law mean to you? I think the law keeps me
2: safe. The law keeps me safe. It, it, not, it gives me boundaries so that I don't go too far. Not that I'm pushing towards the edge on a whole bunch of things, but it just, the, if you live within the law, you can be comfortable. Mm-hmm within it. -hmm. Outside of it, you're looking over your shoulder. (laughs) you're making sure nobody sees you, but it it just keeps me, it allows me to live a comfortable life. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that I can live a more abundant life within the confines of the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it just gives me safety, gives me counsel as to what I can, but also it informs me of what I cannot do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is better to know what you cannot do, than to know what you can do.
0: Right. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I could. I equate the law to God. You know, I'm just as much afraid of it as I am in love with it. You know, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, it keeps me sane, it makes sense, it gives me purpose, and it gives me boundaries. Because I know without those boundaries, without those red, yellow, and green lights, I'd go all willy-nilly all over the place. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, it happens.
1: And thank you guys so much for this lively discussion again. Um, if you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, Remember, the goal of the Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Bethany Anderson.